American Giant makes great clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, and more right here in the U.S. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order with code STAPLE20. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, code STAPLE20. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here we go. Jackson for his tight end, brought in by Mark Andrews, who escapes and goes all the way for the touchdown. Intercepted, picked up by Thomas. Earl Thomas with a foot race. Brown won't get him. That will be six. Running a little option. Jackson keeps. Jackson breaks the tackle. He's right to the pylon, and it's a touchdown. Hello and welcome to another edition of Pod Like a Raven. Second episode, back from the hiatus. Not as much to talk about, but we're going to bring you all the Ravens news, all the NFL news, a random Raven from yours truly. Uh, And then maybe we're going to get a little little silly with what we've been doing the past few weeks to keep ourselves sane. I'm Antonio Barbera. I'm in my house once again in Washington, D.C., and I'm joined by, once again, Tim Horsey, once again, not sitting next to me, which is a real bummer. Tim, how you doing? Uh, I'm getting a little loony. Um, trying to, again, I think I mentioned this last week, trying to run a radio show from my own home is incredibly frustrating, uh, admittedly. Um, so yeah, I'm doing okay. It's a pleasure to get away from it for an hour or so to talk to you guys uh, outside of the I don't know. I guess we could just say disaster at this point that is the world. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to be here specifically in this moment. It's shocking how much I sort of prepared to just be having a conversation with human beings. I like showered for the event, put some fresh clothes on for the event, was looking forward to it uh, hours in advance when I was just sitting at the table by myself on the West Coast joining us. Jace Evans, Jace, are you uh, you losing it over there or staying staying sane? Yeah, pretty sort of. Yeah, um, I believe I've left the house once since we last talked <laughs> over a week ago. Um, so you know, adhering to these uh, stay-at-home orders as best we can. Strange time. I've either been sitting right here in this desk I am at uh, right now, or two feet away in my bed. So hasn't been a lot of. Uh, has been a lot going on out here, honestly, outside of my my work. So, yeah, like you said, it's glad to it's always good to get on the horn here and uh, talk a little football. Last week was the episode of the major Ravens deals moves in and out. 
This week is sort of those smaller secondary deals, those one-year deals, those little spot additions or, or re-signings that end up being at times the difference between a win and loss in certain games or going to the postseason or not. And we have three additions or three re-signings, I should say, that maybe even caught us by surprise and are certainly going to be positive additions for this Ravens team. Let's start with the biggest name that I think if the three of us had taken a vote, at least two of us would have said that this player was gone. Uh, And that's Jimmy Smith, a one-year deal that originally uh, was maybe reported in the early stages as a one-year $6 million deal. And then the three of us in our text chat sort of thought, uh, Oh, may, may, maybe a little steep, but what ended up coming out of that, Tim? What was the uh, the news out of Ravens camp? Well, Jason Lockenfora, um, Baltimore native, obviously, of CBS Sports, reported that the deal is actually $3.5 million guaranteed with a $2.5 million in incentives based on playtime. Um, Eric DaCosta's a wizard. He learned under Ozzie Newsom for a long time, and it shows. I think this move is... Such a cherry on top of this offseason already, and we're not even done yet, clearly. We haven't even hit the draft yet. Um, as a guy, I, I kind of I look at it one way. I, Jimmy Smith, talented as all hell, obviously. Um, used to be very important to this Ravens defense. Injuries has, have obviously gotten in the way for the soon-to-be 32-year-old. But a guy who... I think the value of depth here and to have a guy on your roster that essentially is going to be your fourth corner because he's not going to play in the slot. That's going to be Tavon Young's job if he's back and and healthy uh, this season. Essentially your fourth option, a former first round pick who has been the number one corner on a very good defense in his past is is nothing to shake a stick at. And and the, the depth of this move, too, I think. The way I look at it is last year we were coming into the season with a fantastic secondary and everybody thought this was going to be one of the strongest points of the Ravens defense. It turned out a couple injuries happened and they really weren't. I mean, Marlon Humphrey played out of his mind the first couple weeks of the season. But outside of that, they really struggled until they had to make a trade to bring in Marcus Peters and really, again, re-bonafied that secondary. I think that shows you the importance of depth here, and um, I, I, I'm very thankful to have a guy like Jimmy Smith back in the rotation. Yeah, Antonio, you had mentioned it. I just never really expected. It just seemed like he would be like the guy who was gone. Um, but I think to bring him back, especially at this price, like Tim, you were saying, it just the depth it provides. You know, he's a veteran. He's one of the longest tenured players on this team. Teammates clearly. Uh, respect him for that. And um, he's still talented. His problems always kind of been throughout the years, injuries mostly and various off the field stuff. But for a one year deal, that's so low risk to like have a quality, a player of his quality in your secondary. I, I think it's a great move. And like, you know, the numbers, when you find out it's not even six fully guaranteed, like that just gives them so much flexibility. And I think it's a great move by Eric DaCosta and just like, ensures like depth is like really one of the most important thing like you need high-end talent in the nfl but depth is really kind of what separates you know great like good teams from great teams so i think i think it's a great move and i don't i see almost no negatives with it honestly there's no way in my opinion that this ends up being a bad decision a bad contract we know his talent 
and we know his durability. If he plays 16 games and he hits the incentive of getting to six million, he's probably had a really, really good season. That six million is still a deal because <laughs> we know his talent level. And if he gets through all the games, he's probably going to play higher than a six million dollar guy. And if he has the season that I think we expect where he plays nine games, 10 games uh, in a second, a secondary role, no pun intended, uh, he's going to be worth exactly what he got paid. And it's a one year deal. And then and then they're out of it. So a great move. I think we all like Jimmy Smith. We like having a few guys who are on that Super Bowl team still on the roster, uh, and he should really be a leader at this point. Yeah, definitely. And, and another thing, too, is he provides some flexibility. Like, Humphrey is a guy who can play in the slot. We saw him do it against uh, Schuster. While Jimmy Smith isn't really that guy, he's an outside corner. The fact that he is there and you know he can take an outside receiver, he gets one guy. Marcus Peters gets the other guy. And if, if you need to, if Tavon Young, maybe, you know, everybody's like, oh, he's the, one of the best slot corners in the NFL. He's coming off a major injury. Who knows? Uh, you know, that's hard to judge. You can always bump Marlon inside on these three receiver sets. And, and again, outside of the Baltimore Ravens and the, the San Francisco 49ers, this is, this is an absolutely a passing league. Everybody loves three, four wide receiver sets. Even the teams that run the ball do because they want to spread out the defense. You have to have corners. It's one of the hardest positions in the NFL to find talent. And the fact that the Ravens basically reacted to this I would I would if you brought Eric DaCosta on pod like a raven, which future goals, (laughs) if you brought him onto this podcast and gave him some truth serum or whatever it was or off the record, however you want to do it, he probably would have said, I don't think we're going to have Jimmy Smith next season. They go through a week of free agency. Smith clearly doesn't have the market that he thought he would. Um, Age and injury obviously factors in that when people teams are just throwing around money like it's nobody's business. I was frankly shocked that he didn't get some sort of deal from anybody. And the Ravens said, hey, let's take a stab at this. Maybe the guy realizes I'll take a little less money to come back to a place I'm familiar with. I don't have to relocate my family, especially in all this wild time of nobody (laughs) wanting to go anywhere. I mean, who knows? It could have played played a little bit of a factor. Um, Credit to the Ravens for, you know, I'm sure having a plan to bring him back, but really reacting when they realized, hey, we might be able to get him at at incredible value, and and that's exactly what they did. Another uh, re-sign that I'm actually, we we forgot about a a deal that happened this week, so I'm going to combine these two together, and this was sort of one addition and then one loss, and it was sort of a strange loss. So first of all, uh, Jihad Ward, defensive end, uh, signing a one-year deal, he joined the Ravens, I think, halfway through the season. He's making, he's going to end up making uh, a little over a million dollars for the season. I think it's between one and two million. Uh, just another spot guy that they added midseason that is going to probably fill a role. And he's going to fill a role because of a thing that happened uh, just four days ago, which was a rare, super rare trade between the Ravens and Steelers, where the Ravens shipped out defensive end Chris Wormley and seventh round pick to the Pittsburgh Steelers and in exchange got a fifth round pick. So I'm going to I'm going to toss to you guys, Jace, if you want to take this one first. First of all, uh, I, I can't remember the last time the Ravens traded with the Steelers. I think it was like 20 years ago. Uh, yeah, thoughts the, on, on Chris Wormley going out to the Steelers and then Jihad Ward uh, signing as well. You're always a little surprised when they deal with the Steelers. Like you said, it's really something they just don't do. I believe the number I the year I read was 1998 was the last time the team's uh, executed a trade and that was really before the Ravens kind of 
established themselves, sort of. So they were still kind of a fledgling in the city and maybe the rivalry wasn't really there yet. But yeah, so to just send him to the Steelers, certainly interesting, especially when you consider the Steelers already have a pretty decent defense. So it doesn't seem like a guy they absolutely need. Um, But I think they probably, you know, we talked, I think, last week about, you know, addressing areas of need and they bring in Calais Campbell and they sign Michael Brockers. And that that makes Chris Wormley kind of, you know, expendable to a degree. So they clearly thought, well, now we have someone to fill that role. So get more assets for him. So they've accumulated a lot of draft picks uh, <laughs> for this upcoming draft here, uh, which is uh, promising for a team that's already pretty good. So I was a little surprised by it, but mostly just due to the team they were trading with and not so much the move itself. Yeah, I hate that part. Um <laughs> strengthening them the Steelers in any way I think is frustrating I I, look I was a little it it was weird because I thought maybe he had a little more value but then when you sign two guys to directly replace replace him in the starting lineup other teams realize that and his value is going to go down they're just not simply going to give you a third fourth you know not not a second but like a third or fourth for that guy because they know he's a rotational piece. I thought he would have been a brilliant rotational piece for the Baltimore Ravens, especially if they get stuck in long drives or anything. You're not going to have uh, Campbell, Brandon Williams, and Brockers playing every down. Those guys are going to rotate heavily, especially in a Wink Martindale system, where, as we say all the time, he's bringing the house and, and making those boys run. Um, that being said, I think it opens up more playtime for a guy like Ward, who I loved down the stretch I thought he was you know nobody really got pressure outside of Matthew Judon but I thought Ward was a significant piece um, and a a very underrated guy a very underrated guy in terms of those guys that we always talked about uh, that the middle of the season acquisitions you know Marcus Peters clearly got a lot of love for good reason Um, you know Josh Bynes because he was the the Baltimore boy coming back basically or coming back to the Ravens after a previous stint I should say uh he got a lot of love as well in that middle linebacker position, taking over for uh, Peanut and and Kenny Young, who was traded clearly. But I thought Ward had a significant impact. He played more than 50% of the defensive snaps for the Baltimore Ravens, over half for a rotational guy. Um, he was only on the roster because Tony Jefferson got put on IR after the knee injury. Only finished, wild to me, only finished the season with seven tackles, a sack, and two fumble recoveries in 11 games. But I really thought that he made a – he was always around the play. You know, one of those guys that if you're sitting there watching these games as intently as we are and breaking down every little thing, 53 always seemed to pop up somewhere. And, and another thing that I like too, um, in this piece from SI that talks about the deal, and it was a one-year $1.05 million, you know, pittance basically uh, to bring Ward back into the fold. Wink Martindale, defensive coordinator for the Ravens, said it's a guy that we loved in 2016 coming out of the draft, and I'm glad that we were able to bring him into our system. So clearly they have somebody that they've done their homework on, and again, especially when you're going to get rid of Wormley and uh, you need the depth, I think Ward, a guy who can play sort of inside as that five technique, defensive tackle, defensive end in the 3-4 system, or kind of get out on the edge when he needs to and provide a little bit of pass rush, which... Oh boy, they need it, especially if they're going to trade Matt Judon away. Um, I, I again love the deal. It's not not like you said at the top, Antonio. It's not 
huge. It's not Calais Campbell, you know, ranting. I went back after the edit. I ranted for four and a half minutes on Calais Campbell, so apologies to people who had to listen to that last week. It's not that move, but it's a depth guy who I think could really make some strides this season. And as the cap, as the Ravens get closer and closer to the salary cap sort of ceiling, it's a great move when you have a known entity because they've gotten that sort of trial run with him last year to know what he can do on this team specifically at the price that they got him at. So a, a great move there. And then one other uh, signing, and that's the co-cat, Anthony (laughs) Levine, special teams captain, signing another one-year deal. Uh, We made a joke before the episode started that he seems to be sort of those, one of those just keep getting them checks guy, like has been around for longer than people realize. From 2012, has always been a Raven, obviously a guy that, the Ravens love and, and keep bringing back to fill a special teams role and then a back end uh, spot in the defensive in the defensive secondary. So, what are your guys' thoughts on uh, on Anthony Levine? And clearly, a guy too who, if you if you follow again, if if you're listening to this podcast, you're most likely a diehard Ravens fan. And if you're somewhere in our age group, you're following them all on Twitter because you have nothing else to do with your life. <laughs> Um, always a guy that seems like, you know, they had, I can't remember what it was called, but it was like the boardroom or something like the room of leaders in the locker room. It was like Marlon Humphrey, Judon, a bunch of guys. Anthony Levine is part of that. He is very much a leadership guy on this team. And you talk about special teams presence. He played 167 snaps on defense last year, 310 on special teams. That is important. Those are the guys who make rosters. If you are a back end defensive back, linebacker, you know, wide receiver, whatever it is. If you can't play on special teams, you're not going to make an NFL roster. And Levine, who turns 33 this week, has been on the Ravens for eight seasons because he is a vital, vital special teams guy. Got a couple carries with the fake punts <laughs> this year, if you, if you don't remember that. Um, you know, a, a leader in the third aspect of the game, which as Ravens fans with Justin Tucker and Sam Cook, we take very, very seriously. But the general NFL fan doesn't appreciate all that often. And I think, again, another guy that keep Brit, as you talked about last week, Antonio with Yonda, way different situation, but you were a little upset only for the fact of you want to keep this unit together. This team that was incredible, obviously in the regular season last year, that has a, I would hope massive chip on their shoulder based on what happened in the playoffs you want to bring that personality as much as you can anyway with you through the offseason into next season whenever that does start. Um, and I think that Levine is, is a very valuable part of that. Yeah, I don't have too much to add, but I he's clearly a valued leadership presence. And I think, you know, there's just value in having that on your team. You know, you look at the, the Patriots, uh, you know, they did get rid of Tom Brady, but outside of Tom Brady there forever, one of their uh, recent constants, uh, Devin McCourty on the back end on defense and Matthew Slater on special teams. They keep these guys who in-house and keep the culture and hold players accountable. Dante Hightower is another one. And for the Ravens, Anthony Levine, you know, as you said, he does play defense a fair amount. Uh, he's one of those, you know, nickel backs, rotation defensive backs. Um and he literally always plays. He hasn't missed a game since 2013. He's a valuable leader. I don't see if they still think, you know, he's doing what he's supposed to on special teams and all that. There's no reason not to bring him back. So someone's got to play. <laughs> so if, if the, you know, you have a valuable piece like that. 
Why not? Anthony Levine working to get uh, more carries next season. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see if he can double his carries total from two to four. Yeah, his uh, his fake punt uh, with the Ravens up thirty five against the Dolphins was one of my, in hindsight, funnier moments of the season for me. Fantastic. <laughs> and one one thing we should mention too, just as this theme of Ravens retaining their own. Uh, at the time of recording, it was just announced that the Ravens have re-signed another special teams guy, Chris Moore. Uh, Fourth-round pick out of Cincinnati a couple years back. Hasn't done anything on offense. I don't think he has any sort of future as a wide receiver in the NFL, in my own personal opinion. But sorry about that. Sorry, Chris. But a guy the Ravens value on special teams. They clearly care about that type of stuff. Um, they need to get Lamar some more weapons, and that's something I'm sure we'll be talking about down the line. But... A guy, again, they value that third facet of the game that people talk about all the time. So so congrats to Chris for coming back into the purple and black. And this has been a, a note I think Eric DaCosta has brought up a few times that he wants to keep who he can keep in the building. He wants to keep these guys that have sort of established roles on the team. If they're not super expensive, he wants to keep as many as possible. And boy, what a what a world it is when you can run your organization like that because you consistently draft strong players uh and and keep strong players instead of always having to do massive turnover with your roster or leap for splashy deals to to get the fans to believe in your team that's about to go seven and nine another season i'm not gonna (laughs) name names i'm not gonna name what what team we're talking about here but we uh as ravens fans we're privileged in this sense and just some great short-term deals that are going to end up paying dividends over the course of the season uh so let's move now to the nfl where a few things happened. We're going to talk about the Patriots in a second because I think we have to. We didn't really address every aspect of, of the Tom Brady going to the Bucks uh, deal on the last episode. But before, I think the biggest, I would say the biggest NFL story that just came out recently, uh, the Panthers officially releasing Cam Newton. Uh, guy went to the Super Bowl not too long ago, seemed to be was the future of the NFL for, for a few years, a dominant player who now was released, obviously has had some issues with, with Carolina has had some injuries. Jace, your thoughts on, uh, on Cam Newton on the Panthers, first of all, releasing him. And then where, where do you think Cam Newton may go next? I think it makes a level of the Panthers are clearly all in on a rebuild. They are shaping up, I think to be probably one of the worst teams in the league next year, especially given the state of their division. Um, where they're clearly on paper the worst team. You know, Luke Keekley retires, so they lose their defensive leader. But like you said, Cam Newton won the MVP in 2015. That wasn't that long ago. And he has had, um, you know, his body's broken down a little bit by injuries. He's really, you know, this 2018 season. And he only played like, what, two, two or three games last year. So injuries have clearly slowed him down, but he was so good. And I, he, I just refuse. He's 30 years old. I refuse to just believe he's just done. Like, (laughs) and so from that perspective, it's a little strange that he's gone. He's probably the best player in Panthers history. I would guess they went 15 and one that year. He won MVP, like one of the weirdest 15 and one seasons we've ever seen. And it was mostly because he was just really good. You go back. Michael Orr was their left tackle. There was a lot like, uh, you know, just a lot of question marks on that team. And he just raised them so, so high. But he has been sidetracked by injuries. And I would think if I was a team in need of a quarterback, I would, you know, 
I'd roll the dice on him. I think he's there's no way he's just done. I don't think. But he has taken a ton of abuse. But I would if I was literally any team, if I was the Patriots, I'd be calling him. If I was the Bears, well, maybe not the Bears. They just uh, they got Nick Foles up in there. But, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> I, I think he has to find a landing spot. He's certainly better than Jameis Winston, I think. <laughs> he is instantly, in my opinion, even with the injuries, the far and away best free agent on the market. And if he was on the market day one, he might have been up there as well, um, at least at least close. I think Newton is spectacular. Um, certainly not what he was in his MVP season. The fact that he's already 30 makes me feel ancient, to be <laughs> honest. I, I still remember the Auburn days. Um, look, it, there's a couple of reason the, the reasons the Panthers did this. One, it saves them $19.1 million in cap space, and there's only $2 million in dead money on that deal. A perfect way to get out with a new head coach, Matt Rule, out of Baylor. They're restarting fresh. They signed Teddy Bridgewater, obviously. We'll see. Um, I think Bridgewater is a fantastic story after the horrendous injury he suffered. Coming back and playing uh, with the Saints and doing incredibly well. Was that Sean Payton? Was that Teddy Bridgewater? We will find out, obviously. Um, I don't know. I th- Newton, I think, for me personally, I would be terrified if he ended up joining the New England Patriots just because he's Cam Newton. Like, it would... It would <laughs> It would just be, scream to me, oh, wait, that's a great organization making a move for this guy. And I hate every single aspect well, of it. And if he went to the Pats, he'd just be healthy. Like you like all the problems oh, yeah. he's had the last two years would just go away. And he just would throw like 32 touchdowns or something. Everything would be fine. Um, the one the one team and I saw this floated around because the news broke uh, today that they were expected to release him. They, they finally did. First of all, the Panthers shot themselves in the foot on this deal, too tweeting app they on their own social media last week were talking about how they plan to move on from cam newton he wasn't released yet and they made it sound like he wanted to go like we have allowed cam to part ways with us he commented in in the worst wing ding font i've ever seen on instagram (laughs) of like i don't put this on me this wasn't me what are you guys talking about you're trying to change the narrative which is crazy to me that that was allowed to go out on their own social media but that's a whole different story they shot themselves in the foot they were trying to trade him to the bears and the chargers neither of those teams are going to trade for him when they know they're going to cut him anyway and i think la going to a new stadium this year cam that flashy superstar the chargers need somebody and i think it was mike florio pro football talk tweeted this out today so credit to him and i completely agree you can't open a new stadium with tyrod taylor at quarterback (laughs) bring in cam newton a guy who is a significant upgrade at that position as well and a, a an la star to compete with the rams because outside of that the chargers have nothing in that community i mean jace you can speak to it it out in la where there's not a ton of sports fans anyway there ain't no there ain't any Chargers fans. You know, it's yeah. all, if, if you're a, if you're an NFL fan, you're a Rams fan. People barely care about the NFL out here. It's all Lakers and then Dodgers, probably number two. Um, and then, yeah, if people like the NFL, it's the Rams. And then no one even talks about the Chargers. <laughs> so I do think it would be a good move for them. Uh, I I have to think he lands somewhere, but. You know, you look at the teams that either need quarterbacks or like there's no obvious place outside of maybe the Chargers where you would think he would like be the starter. So or New England. 
Uh, well, it's fascinating. Let's, I, let's get into the one of those two options, because uh, <laughs> I think you guys make great points about L.A. I think the in the Chargers, I think that same point may end up being a detriment to them with Cam Newton joining. If he has to decide between the L.A. Chargers and the, the franchise instability versus, say, the franchise stability of the New England Patriots, <laughs> uh, which one of those two is he going to lean toward? And I say this because I've got to talk about this guy, in my opinion. Uh, Hoyer, for the 17th <laughs> time, has joined the New England Patriots. He's now, I think, technically the starter or the backup uh, to, uh, I don't know his first name, Stidham? Jared Stidham? What's his first name? Jared Stidham, Ooh, yep. Pull, pull that out of nowhere. The Patriots quarterback situation at this point is obviously wide open. Uh, they have two guys on the roster. I don't think either of those two guys is going to start week one. And there are a lot of names that could join that team. And I want to dive in with you guys and get your own opinions. A few names have been floated. Cam Newton would be terrifying. He would play 16 games. He'd probably win comeback player of the year and they go 12 and four. There's also been talk about Andy Dalton apparently joining the New England Patriots. Bill Belichick has interest in him for some, for some reason, uh, probably to beat the Ravens in a, in a important game late in the season. Uh, and then James Winston is around. Uh, he would turn into a guy who throws 30 interceptions and 10 picks instead of 30 interceptions and 30 picks between Bill Belichick and the LASIK eye surgery. So I want to ask you guys, as fans of the Patriots and as rivals of the Patriots, who do you who would you rather, basically, of these three? Who do you want to see as a Ravens fan starting week one? Or I guess you just stay with who they have on the roster. Or uh, as a fan of that team, which of these guys would you like to see paired with Belichick and the rest of that well, roster? I was going to say, I would prefer that they go with the, the double trouble tandem of Brian Hoyer and Jarrett Stidham. But like you said, I refuse to believe that is just Bill Belichick's plan to win. He clearly is interested in it, obviously wants to win championships. And beyond that, I think he really has his eyes set on Don Shula's wins record. I believe he's 40 or 50 wins away now. Uh and, you know, he's, I believe, 67. He needs a few more 10-win seasons, probably, to get, try to, unless he wants to coach into his mid to late 70s. So I refuse to believe Bill Belichick is just like, these are my QBs. <laughs> to that end, I'd be terrified the most of Cam, I think, for some of the reasons we laid out. I think he would, the injury problems would somehow just go by the wayside and him and McDaniels would create just this monstrous run pass option thing that they haven't honestly, you know, had the ability to under Tom Brady uh, due to his mobility or lack thereof. Uh, so I'd be most terrified of Cam. The the funniest would be Jameis, I think. <laughs> um, just him and Bill Belichick. But that even Jameis scares me to a degree because he is talented. Like he led the NFL in yards. I believe he was second or third in touchdown passes. He's really good. He He's really talented. He is just very mistake prone. But I somehow think that like being Bill Belichick's QB would like lower the mistakes. Kind of like you were talking about Antonio, like he throws 30 touchdowns, but just like 15 picks or something and then you're like oh that's a solid QB um, 
somehow in my heart, I think it's going to be Andy Dalton. He seems like just like the quintessential safe QB Bill Belichick wants. Not too flashy. His numbers are probably better than you think. Like you said, he has owned the Ravens randomly historically, or at least had success against them. I think he's roughly 500 against the Ravens in his career. Um, so, yeah, uh, I think it'll end up being Dalton for some reason, but I'd be most scared of Newton for sure. <sighs> well, I want it to be Stidham. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> that, that's the only answer. It, it's sad because Jace is going through all these, and my mind, as he's going on his rant there, my, my mind flipped three or four times about who outside of Stidham I would prefer. So I'm just going to completely deflect and take you to how the Patriots fans are feeling in the current moment. And this Uh-oh. is part of the reason why I once did them. Now, probably persecuted you- is my guess. They probably think that the <laughs> world is ending because now they've only had 20 years of Tom Brady. But continue, please. Yeah, yeah. God forbid, right? This is the one time I'm going to go into those, those awful shoes. Uh, Deshaun Watson, the other day, uh, I believe it was Monday, tweeted out this, quote, I don't know how I'm going to make it out of here clean. Can't even keep track of who plays for the other team. Iconic duos rip and split at the seams. Now, if you... Is that a haiku? Well, it is from the artist known as Drake. Ah. It is a song called Emotionless by Drake, if if you knew that. If you didn't, I didn't. The the internet helped me with that one. Thank you very much. Patriots fans are so desperate that because uh, we talked about it last week, after the ridiculous trade that Bill O'Brien conducted sending DeAndre Hopkins... Uh, Deshaun Watson's wide receiver to the Arizona Cardinals. They think Deshaun Watson is calling for a trade with his <laughs> quoting a musical lyric here. And they are thinking Bill Belichick is going to snap up Deshaun Watson. Not even Bill O'Brien is that stupid, ladies and gentlemen. But it just highlights the sort of emotions that are running through the Patriots head, the Patriots fans head right now. They they need somebody new. They don't believe in Jared Stidham. I think it's going to be hilarious whoever they bring in because he's not going to be Brady and those fans are going to be overly critical every time that person loses a game. Um, we talked about it before. Uh, Jace, I'm kind of echoing everything that you said. Uh, Cam scares me the most. Jameis. Jameis has the most potential to just become like an MVP <laughs> in New England because now he can see and then he's going to go to the Patriots and throw for 5,500 yards and 40 <laughs> touchdowns or whatever it is. Um, Dalton. I, Dalton is not that bad of a quarterback. I think it finally just turned into a they need to change something up because they are one of the worst franchises in the NFL and the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, I think with a better structure – and better, certainly better talent around him. Now, they, they do need weapons. That's clear, and we saw that last year with the Patriots. I think Dalton's an okay option for them. That being said, even though he is a quote-unquote Ravens killer in the past, Dalton really doesn't scare me that much. It, it, they're still going to be 10-6, and 11-5, and five, and everybody trying to tell me bet on any other team in the AFC East, I'm not taking that bet yet because none of them have shown any sort of competence um, outside of the Buffalo Bills have done okay. Can't talk too much bad about the Bills. Um, The Patriots are going to be fine. They're not going to be great. They're not going to be legit. The dynasty is over, but they're going to be fine. And if I'm putting money on it, Dalton makes the most sense. And if I, you know, I would be the happiest with that, let's say, out of the other three free agent options. Tim, I I think you started to touch on something that 
ends up being a big deal for franchises, cities, teams across sports who are transitioning from a legend to whatever's next. Whoever takes on this this job has an entirely different set of circumstances than any quarterback going to any team and taking over that role. In a sense, it's almost a bad, I mean, it's not a bad idea because you still have Belichick, but it's almost bad to push all your chips in for season one of the post-Brady era because that is going to be an unbelievable high-pressure job where the expectations are just never going to be met. It's not going to happen, basically, barring them winning a Super Bowl somehow with whoever they, they start week one with. It almost seems like Brian Hoyer is that guy that they've signed because he's just the most uh, common known name to bridge <laughs> from getting through Brady is our guy to now we have somebody else. He, I feel like Hoyer is going to play eight games, just enough time to get them to think, oh, you know, we got to move on. It's a new quarter. It's like the, uh, you know, you, you break up with a girl uh, and there's a little rebound period in there. You don't know what you're doing. You don't know what you had, what you lost. Family Brian, show, Antonio. That's, that's Brian Hoyer. <laughs> and then after that, then you're ready to make uh, a commitment to, to somebody new. And that's when Jared Stidham comes in uh, and, and shows promise in the second half of the season. But it's, it's going to be a very tough role for whoever takes this, this job. Uh, and I'm, I'm not sure who it's going to be at this point. To take you behind the scenes, I, I title the episodes for this. If this was an NFL podcast and not a Ravens podcast, because clearly I want to lead with something Baltimore-centric, it would be Brian Hoyer is your rebound girlfriend, <laughs> is, is what the title of this episode <laughs> would be. I want to let it known, be known to the people that I had that thought in my head, if you had it as well. But because this is a Ravens podcast, I'm going to try and refrain. I mean, but think about it. You know, Hoyer's been on that team. He's left. He's come back for a few games. Then he's left again. Now you need you need somebody to start some games and, and there he is, just Brian Hoyer, ready to ready to come back for at least well, I would say maximum a season if uh, it, if that. It, it's not a bad idea because yeah, like unless you're Aaron Rodgers, there's really no um, you know satisfying fans if you replace a legend like you. I don't. I don't think Jared Stidham's Aaron Rodgers necessarily. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it, it probably is good. I mean, worst case scenario is the Patriots go somehow like three and thirteen with this Hoyer Stidham combo, and are just drafting Trevor Lawrence, and I'll just cry and cry next uh, spring twenty twenty one. But so not even Lawrence though. Another quick thought before we wrap this up too is that the they could sit there. You know, nobody's made a move for Jameis. There hasn't been any reports Dalton the same way uh Cam obviously just got released so we'll see what the market is for him in the coming days they could see they could like what they have in uh Jared Stidham in the rebound and then try and draft somebody in the draft Jordan Love is a guy who's been linked to them as well you know we're going to get into draft stuff in the coming episodes because it's fast approaching and we'll do you know we'll talk about it I'm not going to try and host a production meeting on the scenes here but we'll do mock drafts or guys that we like the Patriots could certainly find one of these guys who maybe falls or make a move up to find a guy that very much in the Aaron Rodgers mold, you know, the legend isn't still there, but maybe sit for a year or two, see what they have with Stidham, Hoyer, whoever it is, and then try and throw the rookie into the fire. 
Yeah, uh, that, that's all. Uh, that's all we have for the Patriots this week. By the way, they cut uh, Steven Guskowski, who was their kicker for like fourteen years. Uh, was hurt all of last year. I guess you would hope he would come back this season if you were a fan of his, but just cut. So uh, Patriots moving on from another legend on their team, who was their their former kicker. Uh, one other note that we didn't talk about last week. I think it had happened before our episode last week. Jace, you touched on it earlier in this episode. The Chicago Bears trading uh, their... Uh, let me pull this up. The Jaguars have traded Nick Foles to the Bears for the Bears' compensatory fourth-round pick. The Bears get Foles as well as the final three years of his contract, which will pay a base value of $50 million. The Bears have obviously been looking for the answer at, at quarterback for a very, very long time. Have they, have they found it in, uh, in Nick Foles? Um, I'm going to say no, <laughs> um, since the, uh, the Jags were more than happy to... Now, the Jaguars are a rebuilding team. But they were certainly more than happy to uh, to ship him out for almost nothing after giving him eighty some million dollars in free agency. Uh, so yeah, and that's a huge commitment for the Bears to take on, which certainly makes you think uh, Mitch Trubisky is not exactly settled in as the starter, uh, I'm guessing. Um, but it's probably not great that. The uh, the Jags were like, no, no, this the sixth round picks better than the, the 80 million free agent we signed. So we're just going to go with him instead. And so it's Minshew mania time all the time now in Jacksonville, which I think we're all very excited about as people who don't really care about the Jags. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't see this changing the Bears fortune in any way. <laughs> Nick Foles has one of the weirdest careers um, in NFL history. I, I, a lot of people have made that point, so I'm not trying to sit here and take it as my own. But Super Bowl MVP, an incredible Super Bowl performance. Even before that, in the uh, Chip Kelly, remember him, led Philadelphia Eagles. I think had a year where he threw only two interceptions. Yeah, it was like two or three. I don't remember and, the exact and, number. And like 25 touchdowns with that. Like he was tossing the ball around and only threw two picks. Um, and then it's had some terrible years. Obviously, the Jaguars, for whatever reason, signed him to a massive deal and injuries didn't help that situation. And then the Jorts rocking Gardner Minshew coming out and lighting things up <laughs> certainly didn't help either. Um, I think Foles, first of all, by all accounts, and you listen to different NFL podcasts and things, uh, according to reports, is a great locker room guy. So that certainly helps um, with a team that probably was clearly fed up with the uh, with with Mitch Trubisky and that situation and a team that much like the Ravens really just needs a little bit of stability on the offensive side, much like the Ravens of old, I should say, had, needs a little bit of stability on the offensive side of the ball because the defense is dominant. The defense is still really, really good. And it's a team that probably gets dragged down because late in games, they get tired because it's three and out from the offense all the time. So I think if they can make Nick Foles, and some of this comes on Nagy as well, the uh, head coach slash play caller uh, by all accounts. I I can't remember if he's relinquished that role yet. He doesn't seem like a guy who would have just based on press conferences and things. (laughs) But if if Foles can provide stability and move the chains when needed, make make a couple good third down throws and, and... 
make it so that the, the Chicago Bears aren't just relying on defense primarily and solely to win games, I think it's an improvement for them. I really do. Now, it's a lot of money to take on for sure, but if you see the window there, you traded a first-round pick for Khalil Mack a couple seasons ago. You're trying to win now. <clears throat> Clearly, Trubisky wasn't that guy. So maybe maybe Foles is. You know, he doesn't have to be the guy who won the Super Bowl with the Philadelphia Eagles. He's just got to be better than average, slightly better <laughs> than average. Ser- I'm serious. No, with, that, right. with that defensive unit, to make that team competitive again. I mean, two, two years ago, I believe it was, they were incredible. Yeah, and Trubisky and did, Yeah, and, and Trubisky did just enough. Do just enough with that defense and you'll be fine. It, it, it does seem like a, a term that's fallen out of favor, but I'm going to use it anyway. It's like it, signing the game manager. Uh, you had Trubisky, who seemingly every third play would make a super play, and then the other two plays would be sort of head scratchers or... Tore, you know, would overthrow a guy by 10 yards or throw the ball out of bounds. And Foles is not that. He's going to have three of those plays that are super, super consistent. And as you said, Tim, will move the chains. In a perfect world, the Bears become super scary uh, because everything else stays the same. And all of a sudden, you're actually getting six, seven yards per completion and moving the ball downfield, scoring 20 points. And, and all of a sudden, they're winning ball games again. But and I think in a more realistic sense, Foles takes one big hit and he's back on the shelf as he has been uh, more than once in his career. So with that, I want to talk about just the quarterback landscape, which has quickly changed all over the NFL. The Bucks are now going to have Tom Brady. The Colts are going to have Phillip Rivers. The Panthers are going with Teddy Bridgewater. The Bears have Foles. The Pats have some sort of dating combination that we don't quite know yet. I want you guys' thoughts. Which of these teams is in the best shape maybe for next season, and then which of these teams is in the best shape over the long term? I guess Bucks over the short over the short term, Tim? Um, no, because I we didn't see it from Tom Brady last year. This is a big news because this is huge news, I should say, because he's Tom Brady and he's leaving the Patriots and yada, yada, yada. We're not going to talk more about that. Yes, he has weapons now. They led the league in passing last year and they still didn't do much. So, like, what more is he going to bring that team outside of not, you know, throwing 30 interceptions or whatever (laughs) it was from Jameis? I guess I guess that is significant. But I know Brady is one of these guys who you know, trains like a 22-year-old still and is timeless and eats avocado ice cream and all that bull crap. But I don't really... I, I think he'll be good for them. It'll be an... I think it'll still be an improvement over Jameis because he's less mistake-prone. Um, but I'm going to go with the Bears. I think because of the... Because of the team around Falls. I think I... For whatever, and maybe it's because I watched in this apartment I'm sitting in right now, one of the first weeks we moved into this apartment I invited way too many people over and and including some Patriots fans and watched the Philly special and watched them be demoralized by a man who has a nickname that I cannot say on this show I I think that with that defense and if they can get him one or two weapons around him and if Nagy can sort of figure it out and not you know get in his own way to put it in a family show style of, uh, of, of context here. 
I think the Bears will be okay. Now, long-term, who knows? They've given up a lot of draft capital for some of their guys. I don't know what those contracts look like off the top of my head. Um, long-term, if, if you think Bridgewater is back, he is still young enough to have a lengthy career, and he's got Christian McCaffrey in the backfield with him. I know Jay said that they've, they're shaping up to not be a very good team. I don't necessarily disagree with that, but if Matt rules the answer that everybody thinks he is and Bridgewater can perform at the level that he did for the Saints and Christian McCaffrey continues to be Christian McCaffrey, I think they're set up for, for a, a fantastic run. The Colts, I don't know. Like, <laughs> Phillip Rivers is, is fun and all, and I think he's perfect for Indianapolis because he's just going to be like, gosh darn it, down the field the entire time. But... Is he that much better now than Jacoby Brissett was? I, I don't think I think it's a marginal improvement at most for a team that is relatively good. But yeah, I am going to I'm going to go with the Bears. Um, I could shoot myself in the foot with that one. Maybe Foles isn't what we thought he was. I would have loved to see the Bears go after Jameis or, you know, it was reported that they were offered Cam Newton and they said no because they thought they could sign him in free agency and then went after Foles. I would have loved that team with Cam Newton. Um but but I think with Nick Foles, I, I believe in him to be just good enough for that team to be competitive again. So I'll go with the Bears. I think as much as it pains me, I think short term, uh, short term, it is Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Um, pretty much, Tim, for sort of the reasons you echoed. I actually don't know how much better he is than Jameis Winston. Um Talent-wise, he's probably less talented at this point in his career, but he will take care of the ball, and I think that will, with those weapons, uh, Godwin and uh, Evans, I, I think it'll really just help their offense, turning it over less. That'll help their defense a little bit because um, they've had they've had a rough on defense. That's part of why I don't I'm not super high on the Bucks overall, but. If your QB doesn't throw 30 picks, that probably helps <laughs> the defensive side of the ball. Um, but I actually think I know I said they were probably going to be bad, but I do think of this group. I think long term, it is the Panthers with Teddy Bridgewater who have it best. They um, have shipped Kyle Allen uh, reportedly out to um, Washington back to Ron Rivera in the Redskins. So that's something interesting to watch there. Um, but um, yeah, I think. Bridgewater, I think, is talented. I think he showed he's still pretty good with the Saints last year. Um, he atter- DJ Moore is still down there. He can be decent when he can hang on the ball, like you said, Christian McCaffrey. Um, Robbie Anderson, they apparently just signed today, um, former receiver for the Jets. So I think long-term, Bridgewater actually probably does have the highest ceiling. Like you said, I don't know what the Colts are doing, <laughs> really, other than just here's a guy to just hold until we find someone to be our starting QB of the future. But uh, I am very excited to watch Philip Rivers on the Colts. I don't know if it's an improvement at all, but uh, yeah, I think short term it's going to be Brady in the box. And I think long term Bridgewater probably has the highest chance of success. I'm, I'm going to keep my opinion on this pretty short, uh, short term. It's the Bucks, And I'll tell you why, Tim, you talked about liking, uh, Foles because of sort of the system that they have in place there. Tom Brady last year was throwing to James uh, to Philip Dorsett, James White a lot, Jacoby Myers, uh, Ben Watson, and Matt Lacoste. And this year, hey, he'll Julian be, Edelman, Julian Edelman, <laughs> and too. Julian Edelman as his number one. Uh, this year, he'll be throwing to Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, and OJ Howard. I think the weapons are just totally different. I think that was one of his biggest complaints that you saw week in, week out, is just him 
annoyed as hell at his offensive playmakers making mistakes, running the wrong route, not knowing what the snap count was. And now he's going to be in a place where for the first time in a long time, he has serious, serious talent. And that is going to sort of supersede the fact that he's 43 years old, because when he was 40 years old and he had talent at wide receiver, he, he made that work. Uh, over the long term, I, <laughs> I'm going to cheat kind of, and I'm going to say it's the Patriots because it's the Patriots. <laughs> uh, and they're probably going to get somebody to go there because they're the Patriots. That's going to make us super, super annoyed. And it may not happen week, uh, season one, but it will happen season two or three. So I'm still terrified of the Patriots until Bobelichek turns 80, I guess, or, or retires <laughs> from the NFL or whichever one of those two things comes first. Um, but I do think Tom Brady is going to have a fine season in Tampa Bay next year. All right, so that's going to do it for the NFL. Quickly, Jace, anything uh, bothering you this week? Maybe not the ability to go outside? Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty much that. I am a homebody uh, by nature. I don't love leaving the house. But when you can't leave the house, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's a whole other level. I like I haven't left the house since Thursday. I plan to try after we finish recording here. I have to buy more food. But uh, yeah, it's not been great. Should I go for more walks? Probably. But I don't know. I've just been sitting here, sitting in my house. And when I've, I work for eight hours, then go to bed. <laughs> I wake up and I go from my bed to my chair. I've been reading a lot, but, you know, I just wish this all, you know, things go back to normal. I won't take leaving the house for granted again. I can assure you that. <laughs> Getting into a weird like, uh, you know, you don't think prison's that bad until you're in prison kind of thing where you can't <laughs> actually go outside at all. You don't yeah, think you it's that big go. of a deal. And then when you... When you know it's not there anymore, that's really when when you miss it. So that's what's bothering Jace this week is yeah, uh, freedom, uh, I think. So hopefully in the next, yeah. I'm not going to say in the next few weeks because I don't well, think it's happening say, in the next few weeks. This might be the next uh, two to three weeks might be the same what's bothering me. <laughs> <laughs> As it gets progressively worse and worse for, for yeah, Jace in isolation. Well, good luck to you. Hopefully maybe this <laughs> podcast, you know, getting the video chat up is going to keep you Going to keep you sane, but somewhat sane. (laughs) So let's move on to now the random Raven. And it is my turn this week. And uh, I've got a guy that I can't say too many things or else I think it's going to become very obvious. So I'm going to be sort of uh, mysterious with my clues to start. And then if it didn't make any sense, then I'll add I'll add some stuff as we go. So this defensive player played 11 seasons in the NFL from 1998 to 2008. His first seven years were with Tennessee Titans, and then he finished his career with the Baltimore Ravens, playing four seasons from 2005 to 2008. Tim's already nodding that he, that he may know who this is. This player went to, I can't tell you which school, but I can tell you it is a big football school in the ACC. This player may be, although he was a consistent starter, played 16 games in 2005, 16 games in 2006, and started 10 games in 2008, 
he's probably most well known for the, let me make sure I'm getting this right, the 2007 season when the Ravens played the undefeated New England Patriots, and it was the Ravens' Super Bowl game against the Patriots in prime time, uh, and he made some noise in that game. And this player's statistics, while with the Ravens, had eight interceptions, three forced fumbles. This is what I'm going with so far. If we need more clues later on, we'll add some, but that is my random red. Jace looks like he needs to go outside right now. He looks just (laughs) distraught. I think I have a name, but I'm not... Jace, I have a big clue for you at the end. I think I have a big clue for you at the end. We'll leave it at that, and then we'll let Tim, you'll lead with the clue at the end of the episode, and if it's going in a certain direction, I won't offer any more more information. Well, the clue, I'm like 90% sure is factual. It might not be factual, but, but it's how but it's how I categorize this player in my head. All and right. I think the I think the only reason sorry, I think the only reason I'm pretty confident I know who this is is because I almost chose this player a couple weeks ago. Alright, so that is my random Raven for the week. The only thing left that we really want to go over is uh guys, there's been no sports for like three weeks or three months or three years. I'm starting to lose track. Every day seems like a week. What have you guys been going to get through? First of all, the months without football, the months without the Ravens, but coupled now with the coronavirus and no sports, what are you guys doing to get through the days, weeks, months, (laughs) and years without having any sports on? A lot of Netflix. That's been (laughs) my go-to at nights after work. I've gotten back in on watching Cheers, Uh, (laughs) my show I go to on and off. I'm uh, like towards the end of season seven here. Um, So I've been watching Cheers. Uh, I blew through I Think You Should Leave from Tim Robinson. Watched a ton of movies. I was at my parents uh, recently. Before everything really melted down, <laughs> I uh, um, watched a ton of movies, watched every Indiana Jones movie. And then in my daytime hours before work, <laughs> I've actually have been going to bed earlier than I normally do for me, which is still super late. But my daytime hours, I've actually been reading uh, When Pride Still Mattered, a biography of Vince Lombardi. <laughs> so <laughs> little thick one I've been working through about 500 pages of stuff on Vince Lombardi so that's occupied my most of my daytime so that's all to answer not much but (laughs) um, that's mostly what I've been up to so far so for me um should be reading more my answer is going to be really bad now that Jace has been uh educating himself (laughs) reading Uh, a book about football (laughs) yeah when sports was always my hobby growing up it's why I got into the profession that I'm in and when I got into the profession that I'm in I almost needed find to find something else to turn my brain off because my brain focuses so much at you know now specifically on soccer and then obviously the Ravens and football doing this and just enjoying that as my first love um, and so obviously sports are still a huge part of my life, but I, I've developed another um, that, that came from childhood, but has almost expanded as I've gotten older. And that's video games, because I'm a kid at heart, uh, of a 28 year old child. And 
There was a game that I, a long-running franchise, the newest installment, was just released this week. And, uh, or excuse me, last Friday, as we record this, uh, on the 20th. And I had never tried it before. And I gave it a go. And now I can say that my girlfriend and I have built a spectacular island in Animal Crossing. So, it's a game about you just building a town, picking up sticks, going fishing, being outside, which is something that we can't do right now. It's all uh, a simulation. Pretty much. Talking to animal friends. Um... Making designs. I have a Ravens poster in my little house on this island. I do. It's not a lie. I can send a picture. So if you have a Nintendo Switch and then you're playing Animal Crossing, hit me up on Twitter at Tim Horsey and let's let's hang out. Let's go be on each other's islands family show because there's nothing else to do. Um, by, and it's been the per- it's been the perfect remedy. By talking to animal friends, do you mean like animals? Like you, the, you talk to animals oh, yeah. or like animal who are f- friends? No, 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 like animals. So uh, as we're recording this, my girlfriend is playing the game, and she's talking to two raccoons who uh, are run the local Recycling uh, goods. Recycling Oh, okay. Yeah, well, you would think, but the local goods and services store on the island. So Animal Crossing, a lot, a lot, outside of working, clearly, a lot of Animal Crossing. And, um, and one PSA, I haven't done this yet, but we should mention it because some people actually are mature and, you know have lives outside of Animal Crossing, <laughs> which I don't anymore. But YouTube, go to YouTube. The NFL has put a bunch of games on YouTube, including the Super Bowl, including some of the best games of all time. I'm sure the Mile High Miracle is on there. Um, actually, the guys at NFL UK, who a couple of them are big supporters of this show, or UK Ravens, excuse me, UK Ravens, shouts out to them. They did a watch along on their Twitter feed of the Mile High Miracle, kind of tweeting out, as it was happening, and they had, I think they were live streaming it with people too, because they said we're going to start at this time and everything. I thought that was really cool. Um, they have, as we talked about before the show started, both of those AFC Championship games against the Patriots one good, one bad. <laughs> Click on the right one. I, I promise that that's the one you're going to enjoy more. Uh, so I'm probably going to go back as well when I'm when I'm not um, fishing or grabbing carpets from the local camel who sells carpets that's a real thing i'm not i'm not going crazy i promise i uh, probably gonna go back and watch some of the ravens best games um and i believe i can't confirm this they have some of the games from last season as well uh with nfl game pass which is all, also free not on youtube nfl game pass maybe just go watch lamar because he makes me happy uh maybe just go watch him dominate some some defenses there from last season as well you know i, I have been on youtube uh, this is a hat tip to, to Tim, who works in uh, in the soccer world, watching a ton of old Champions League highlights. Uh, because March, this is when sort of the Champions League normally would just absolutely heat up. I think it's some of the best, if not the best, quality sport in the world is knockout stage Champions League soccer. And it's really bumming me out that there's no games to watch at all. So I've gone back into the the last 10 or 15 years of, uh, of Champions League knockout games, which has kept me entertained because there's a lot of games that I haven't seen. I don't, I don't remember the outcomes or wasn't watching the Champions League in like 2005. Uh, so there's games I still don't really know how they turned out, but I recognize a lot of the stars. A lot of Netflix, as uh, as Jace <laughs> mentioned. I'm sorry, I went back to, to Mad Men. Uh, been doing a lot of Shit's Creek, actually. Hysterical. Oh. Highly recommend that show. Have to check that out. Uh, and then I, I, I didn't want to admit this, but whatever. I've said a lot of things this episode. My girlfriend has uh, has shown me Grey's Anatomy. Don't, 
Yeah. Oh, phew. Yeah. Phew. And, I thought uh, you were going to say love is blind. I thought you were going to no. say love is blind. <laughs> no, no. Uh, if not oh. worse, it's it's seasons and seasons of Grey's Anatomy. And I was say, there's not, like 20 years of that to watch, right? <laughs> I'm not proud of it, but that show, man, does so much drama. Uh, so many, so many tears on that show, so many life or death situations. Uh, and I've been watching way more episodes of that than I would like to admit. As for gaming, Tim, I don't know if I've told you guys this. I'm not, was never a big video game guy. Never really got into it. Uh, I got a PlayStation 4 when I was like, I'm sorry, no, I take it back. I got a PlayStation 2. Oh. <laughs> that's why. Oh. Yeah, that's, that no, no, no. had some breaking news on the and show. And I'm going to tell you why I'm like, switching oh the God. 4 and the 2 in a second. I got a PlayStation 2 in 2004, and I got a couple of video games. I got Madden 2004. It's uh, a good one. Got like MLB Rising. 2004, and then like a FIFA game that's either 04 or like 05 or something like that. And then I never bought another video game ever again. So about once a year, normally, the PS2 comes out of the shelf, gets the dust off, and then we try out some Madden 2004. When you have nothing to do, Madden 2004 gets played a lot more than, than you would think. So a lot of Jamal Lewis off tackle <laughs> uh, right behind Jayog, uh, getting five, six yards of carry, and then Todd Heap on third down. So if my PlayStation 2, one, if I still had it, and two, if it still works, which it doesn't, we need to do something on this podcast, and if, if you want to hear about this, maybe you don't. Actually, we'll put it this way. If I don't hear from you, I expect that you do want to hear this. If you don't want to hear about this, email us at podlikearavengmail.com, Twitter at podlikearaven, whatever it is, Instagram podlikearaven as well. I need you to start a franchise mode <laughs> with the Baltimore Ravens, the 2004 Baltimore Ravens, and I need updates. H- how's Kyle Bowler doing or anthony wright did you move did you make a trade did you go get one of the most unstoppable video game characters of all time michael vick in madden 2004 maybe a trade for him uh how's the defense looking with ray lewis and oh god and ed reed it's prime it's in their prime ray lewis and ed reed uh as for the quarterback tim you know who stays on the bench chris redmond he uh he doesn't Ah. play any games in in madden 2004 but that's a fantastic idea uh, I'll let you guys know. I can pretty much guarantee Jamal Lewis ends up with 1,600 yards and Todd Heap ends up with about 1,200, 1,300 yards. But yeah, <laughs> that has been my, uh, my, my gaming is, is taking out the old PS2 Madden 2004. Madden 2004, a great one. I had it. Michael Vick, unstoppable. I did then immediately get Madden 2005 because Ray Lewis was on the cover. <laughs> and they had the hit stick. <laughs> Hit stick. Yes, I was the introduction of the hit stick. So I probably played more 05. Uh, I started a franchise with the Bills where Byron Leftwich was my QB and I was throwing to Terrell Owens and I had Sean Alexander. Those were the main guys I remember. Uh, there was some play like one of their off tackle plays. There's a glitch in Madden wherever like fifth play you could just run for an 80 yard touchdown. Those were the good days of Madden. Now it's so hard to play Madden. Everyone's good at it and I haven't really ever de- delved back into Madden, but yeah, Madden 04, Madden 05 is the prime time for me. <laughs> all right. The last thing to go over now, I'm glad we all had really good answers to that, by the way. Like, uh, we, you know, we're staying, we're staying alive. We're surviving uh, and we'll, we'll get out of this together. But the, the last thing to answer now, the random Raven for this week, let me run through this one more time. This defensive player played 11 seasons in the NFL, his first seven with the Tennessee Titans, and then his last four with the Baltimore Ravens. He went to a very big football school in the ACC. 
with the Ravens. He started 16 games his first two seasons. He started 10 games his last season. Uh, had eight interceptions and three forced fumbles in those four years. Is is biggest maybe big? And I only say this because he sort of played on some forgettable in some forgettable Ravens seasons uh, with perhaps, uh, you know, 2007 being one of the worst. Uh, but they had that Super Bowl game against the New England Patriots at home that they should have won three different times uh, and they didn't. But who, uh, Tim, you want to start with the, the clue that you had, the additional clue or, or note about who this potentially could be? Yeah, I just thought of a second clue, too, and I'm going to start with that one first because it's just obscure enough where I think Jace will automatically recognize it. Um, He has a family member, I want to say cousin, who also went to the same school as he did for football and was notably, he never really made it in the NFL, but was a Rhodes Scholar. And every time he played at that school was, uh, he's really smart and plays football was the whole thing that they did. Also... He came over from from Tennessee, as Antonio mentioned, with Derek Mason. And it was like two guys from that Tennessee era that were the bane of our existence for a long time and then basically joined the dark side in the Baltimore Ravens. Those those both sound right to me. I'm not sure about the Rhodes Scholar. uh, I just I'm not aware of that, but it definitely had. I think more than one relative who were very much in the football pipeline. Yes, good point. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So, so I believe I believe this is Samari Roll. Um, Tim thoughts? I I would concur. Is it Samari Roll? It is Samari Roll. Four wow. year Ravens starting. The, so right that's quarterback. what surprised me. I didn't remember him being there that early, and I didn't remember him being with the Ravens that long. I mean, I guess that's what you were saying about the kind of the obscure seasons and stuff. Um, Cause I thought he was there like a year or two. And so when you, you said from Tennessee, I was like, and it was defense. Cause first I thought Derek Mason. And then I was like, uh, then I was like defense. And I was like, Samari roll came over, but I didn't. Yeah. I just didn't know it was him. I didn't remember him being there that long. That's fascinating. Samari roll. Yes. And I, I thought he played for more than two teams for some reason. I, I would have pegged him as a guy who ended up being on like three or four different teams, but just the two stints, Tennessee, Baltimore, I guess the, the positive for him was that 06 season started 16 games on a 13 and three team. Uh, but then also was on the team for uh, 2005 and 2007, <laughs> which were not, not, not as, as memorable Some less seasons. than ideal ones. Yeah. Uh, the school I assume is Florida state. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, which I couldn't say, <laughs> I, I couldn't say Florida yeah. state. That was going to be way too, way too much. Well, when he said a big ACC school of the years, I was like, there was probably only like two good ACC teams in the nineties. So I was like, yeah, Florida state has to be one of them. Uh, and I believe it's Myron roll, right? Is this the Rhodes scholar cousin? Nice. So that is my random Raven. Tim will be up next week. Guys, any last thoughts, news and notes, SOS signals you want to send that we need to rescue you from your apartments or anything like that? Yeah, I was just going to stay safe, everyone. Be smart. Leave. Don't necessarily do like me and don't leave your house. Uh, Like, you know, go get food, (laughs) those kind of things. But just be smart about it. You know, social distance. Stay don't do crowds, that kind of stuff. And uh, like you said, we'll get through it. It'll just might be a, a several weeks of this. <laughs> and really add in Netflix, YouTube, and your PlayStation 2. <laughs> Thanks for listening to us on Pod Like a Raven. For, for Tim Horsey, Jace Evans, I'm Antonio Barbera. Thanks for listening to us. 
We will see you next week. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.